0: Alright, so uh, welcome to uh, BSing with Sean K. I'm your host, Sean Nice, And today, my guest is an uh, independent hip-hop artist from uh, South Carolina, uh, Ganny Gatama. So, thanks for coming on.
1: Oh, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no problem. So, uh, I guess, just tell us about yourself, uh, your music, and like how you got started with it.
1: Okay, cool. Um, So, I started playing music when I was a uh, young kid kid in the mid 90s i actually started playing the guitar um signed up for guitar lessons when i was like 14 years old in the ninth grade i just was bored and wanted something to do um and i got into it thinking i was going to be you know uh, some sort of virtuoso it turns out i didn't really have the patience to play an instrument but it kind of gave me the basis of just like the creative process Transferred over, to starting write lyrics and stuff like that. In like the late '90s, I'd probably call it like '97, '98. I was a kid in high school. I got into a band, and it was kind of like a rap-core band or whatever. So it sounded a lot like Rage Against the Machine, very, very basic and derivative. But uh, that's what kind of let me cut my teeth on the mic and just kind of learn how to, um, just the whole, just the basic craft of writing lyrics and performing them. So. Did that for a little bit, and that was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where I live now. Um, in 2000, I went to, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, to go to art school, um, with the ulterior motives of getting signed to becoming a famous rapper. Um, it was there. I mean, I lived in Atlanta from 2000 to 2010, but uh, sometime in the late, I want to say like late 2002. I uh, linked up uh, there was a rap battle at the student housing that I kind of joined up and did on a lark, on just on a, on a lark just to have fun and um I ended up getting second place in the battle and one of the guys somebody in one they're doing the audience and he uh, he made beats and stuff like that so after after the battle it was like right before we went home for winter break or whatever and so I came back or spring semester or quarter, and uh, he he tracked me down in the hall, hall, sometime, pulled me aside and was like, "Yo, man, we need to make some music." I got beats. Like a- this is um, like 2002, and uh, so I, yeah, I did the did the battle. Previous to that, I was just kind of goofing off. I was when I moved to Atlanta. I still I, w- I hadn't like decided I was gonna be an MC and stuff like that. I was still dabbling with the guitar and I was really into like a lot of like heavier music like mm-hmm. hardcore and metal and stuff like that and was kind of like getting exposed to the more deeper underground roots of that um so I was kind of all over, over the place but I was writing a lot of lyrics and I used to do a couple of, used to do like poetry nights and stuff like that and was just doing I was kind of on a creative tip one of the taking the series didn't have much of a direction and then I uh, Right around sometime 2002, towards the in the fall, there was a battle at the student housing, and uh, I went and joined it up just to have just to have fun, and it ended up coming in second place. And there was a, a second place in the battle. Um, there was a guy in the audience who was also a student there at at the school, and it was right before we went away for for the winter break. Or whatever. So did it. Didn't even think anything of it. it was just like, yeah, that was fun, whatever. Um, went home. Came back for the start of the spring quarter, and this guy tracked me down. He had seen me, and he was like, he pulled me aside. It's like, hey, man, I make beats. You need to. We need to make. We need to make a record. So um, we started going over. We started hanging out and stuff like that, and that kind of became the uh, um, foundation for my first. Adventure into being a MC, like a, like a legitimate, straight-up hip-hop MC, and that was in a group that we founded, started called Street Temple MCs, and it was myself and this dude that saw me at the battle. His name was Shrine, that was his rap name. Um, one of my another guy I went to school with uh, named Metronome. He was our DJ, and then we brought in some other people at the that uh, a friend of ours. He brought some turntables over to our apartment and. Basically we kinda of just start kinda of just started from there. Um, Shrine was making the beats and I was starting to learn how to write raps and we did that, just kinda of did a lot of practicing, didn't really get out and play a whole whole lot. There's a very like a lot of really awesome open mics and stuff like that in Atlanta that um I probably I don't know, open mics kinda of get a, a bad rap from a lot of people. It's just like sad, tragic gathering of hopeless souls and everybody but atlanta actually has a very very vibrant active ones. so we got to kind of get our sea legs so, so to speak just playing playing some of those as street temple mcs <clears throat> and kind of tooled around to that for a while started actually playing real like shows where we got sets and we were on the flyer and stuff did that all the way on through um putting out self-releases and stuff like that all the way up to May 2005, we put out the the uh, official Street Temple MC's EP. It was called Asphalt Profits, and um, we recorded it at a, our DJ metronome. He was working at a recording studio in town, and they had all the professional stuff, so we were kind of like bar- bartering uh, serv- services uh, for studio time, recorded the album, came out th- May 2005, and that turned out to be the swan song of Street Temple MCs. Um, basically, I wasn't really cut out to be in a group. I don't think. I don't think I might be a little too too much of a self absorbed visionary or something because it was just a lot. It's like a reality show, really. Mm-hmm. We all lived in the same house. Um, you know, we were like smelling each other's bathroom visits and stuff and washing each other's dishes and egos and close quarters and different ideas for what it was to be in a group in a functioning creative environment like that all kind of came to the head i guess the, the actual like process of making a record was too much for us to handle as a unit so everything after we, we got we put the the street temple record out and um that kind of <laughs> marked the end of street temple mcs luckily i had I had a really a really good friendship with Metronome, and he had actually gotten into producing and making original beats and stuff like that, and had really been honing his chops the whole time. So after a little bit of a, a little bit of a hiatus, um, him and I started working on some stuff. Um, I took a little time off. I was just like a little a little a with it all, um, but then. I really started getting like I started probably around 2006. I started getting really aggressively into just like working on my songwriting and uh, and focusing on becoming a solo artist, so to speak. Um, so I started writing a lot of stuff and I worked a lot of part time jobs and was kind of just getting by. But I was stockpiling song upon song upon song and I was really studying a lot of different, um, like mainstream popular rap that was on the radio at the time. And then other styles of music, like music and things like that. And just really kind of being a working stiff and not really being out and about in the scene or anything with just stockpiling material. And I finally reached out to Metronome, uh, I want to say probably like, uh, New Year's Eve of 2006 going into 2007 he was DJing the party. A friend of mine, or a mutual friend of ours, was throwing a New Year's Eve party. He was DJing it, and I hadn't kind of I hadn't seen him in a while, but um, he was there, and I kind of started talking to him like, "Man, I miss making, I miss making the music and stuff like that. We need to link up, because um, I've been working on a lot of stuff, and I just I want you to hear it. Tell me what you think. I don't even know. I don't know what. It, I don't know if it's good or bad, or if it's if if I need to just hang it up or what. So um linked up shortly after that and started getting to work on the first Gaddy Utama album, which is Give Him Enough Hope. And we recorded that in Metronome's apartment. And that was came out in July of 2008. So it was kind of a slow process. We just kind of took it as it, it kind of worked our way through it. But doing that, we... I was able to get a record, I was able to get it recorded, and we pressed up physical copies and stuff like that. Which kind of gave me the tools I needed to actually start. Um, but yeah, so 2008, between like beginning of 2007 through July of 2008, Mr. Nome and I worked on this, on the first Gannigan EP, Give Him Enough Hope, put it out July 2nd, 2008, and that was kind of the departure point, the launching pad for getting guitar as a solo act. Having we pressed up physical copies and stuff like that, so it allowed us to you know hit up venues around Atlanta and things like that and play shows. And I ended up linking up with um, an artist named Quan Star, who was also from Atlanta, and he had been he was a pretty, he was active in the local scene, but he was also very uh, very aggressive, like touring rapper and so i was able to kind of glom onto his thing and started to get to travel and stuff like that so that's where i kind of that's where everything all the subsequent projects and stuff like that were kind of built off of that initial album the ganigatama record and um it's been kind of doing, doing my thing ever since
0: <laughs> and uh i guess what drew you to uh hip-hop music in the first place
1: well, you know, I was kind of a um I was kind of a late convert to it. I didn't really grow up listening to it. I grew up listening to like classic rock from my dad's collection. My dad was a real avid like classic rock fan, Led Zeppelin and Rolling Stones and stuff like that, and I just kind of never really took the I always dug it. He was kind of passionate about it. Um so I never really like I was just satisfied listening to that as like a young kid. So I never really got into the um, to like go out and seek contemporary popular music. I was more into like into like the create into the visual arts, painting and drawing and stuff like that. So it's kind of that way all the way on up until I was a teenager, and I really like the song OPP by um, Naughty by Nature. I actually my family had just moved right around when that song came out. I guess it's like the early '90s. 1993 94 maybe a little bit earlier than that my family had moved from west virginia where i grew up to myrtle beach and that song was like i when i made that move that was when i kind of started wanting to is new school and stuff like that and kids are really into rap rapid school so i started kind of branching out and looking and i really like that song <laughs> so that uh <laughs> kind of started me down my down my journey i just it, this this is before you know the internet existed as it does now so it was more a matter of going into like actual rec like cd store record stores or and looking at stuff and buying things based on how cool the cover was and so it was a lot of uh, a lot of trial and error and things like that and then also at the same time is the whole like nirvana grunge era t- era too so i kind of adopted that and looked at rap as more of like just like a passing kind of novelty thing and then it wasn't until i got into high school about a couple of years later um i'd say like 97 1997 one of my classmates gave me a, ta- a tape he recorded that was a bunch of uh wu-tang songs and some other scattered stuff but it was like a bunch of cu- like several cuts off of the wu-tang 36 chambers album and then of several cuts of from various of the first wave of black like solo releases and that's when I got hooked and I guess what made it click for me is it was just like my understanding of hip-hop music and and, and all prior to that was just it was like this kind of foreign world mm-hmm. I didn't belong in you know it was entertaining as like an outsider to just kind of look and you know have fun or whatever but it wasn't something that I ever like really acknowledged as like a something that I would ever be involved in but when I started hearing those Wu-Tang songs there was something about it it had that like grit and danger that is what always draws people to to music I think but then it also had this like other facet of like all the kung fu and the like the creativity of it just like there wasn't a whole lot of rules it it wasn't just it didn't seem like oh well you know you had to have ground or upbringing to appreciate it it was just like I was like wow this is something that they're like just talking about anything. It's like no holes bar. There's no rules to it. They're just, I mean, they're going from talking about like, you know, selling drugs and living in the pro- projects in New York to like Kung Fu to like, uh, 5% or Islam philosophy and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, they just talk about whatever's on their mind. And that really struck me. And from that point on, I just kind of went like, I really got interested in the, in the concept of writing rap lyrics it felt like the most like honest way for me to express myself, and for me to get thoughts and convey thoughts and feelings and sentiments in like a totally unfiltered and totally like purely, you know, like just a pure way. And something about it, it just it just caught caught a fire inside me, and I just it was kind of always into it. And then when I got into the band, like when I was, when it started. Playing with my buddies in, in high school. I wanted to be a singer or something, but one time we did a rehearsal and um, they were just kind of jamming, grooving, just playing some random whatever riffs. And I uh, I started doing, I was sort of spitting some lyrics that I had written, and everybody in the, in the room was kind of stopping, like, dude, you need to do that. So from that point on, I consider myself a rapper and um for better or worse yeah.
0: and uh, I guess how would you describe uh, the lyrics of uh, your music and the themes uh, they usually deal with?
1: Uh, what I would say is it's just trying to make something beautiful and interesting out of the mundane. I never really looked at it as uh, in the back of my mind, I always had you know you have goals and aspirations and vision, envision yourself and you know on huge stages and pulling the world and whatnot. But, but that was never like the the prime prime focus of it was just I just describe it as like you know it's working stiff music. It's it's almost like a, a different form of like folk music. Um, like folk. The reason it's called folk music my understanding is that it's like unlike other forms of popular music it's this kind of created for mass consumption folk music was just like in mines or on farms and stuff like that and it was kind of like certain circles looked down on it as it's like lowbrow kind of, type of like lesser art form but what drew people to it is the fact that it was like very genuine and it was it was just like a Genuine expression, a snapshot of how like life was like for real people, and I I feel like my my lyrics, at least the way I I, I consider them, I think they're kind of the same thing. It's just you know snapshots. Of, I'm just a guy living life, trying to get by, and this, the lyrics are just a way to kind of make that into art and make it into something that's you know. People can listen to and maybe find similarity and it's it's just it's really it's taking it these mundane details, walking to work, riding the bus, simple everyday, regular life stuff that you don't think would make you know, be subject matter for a song and turning it into uh, turning it into tone. That that would be my description.
0: And uh, how would you describe like uh, the scene in South Carolina? Like, are there a lot of good artists? You would say, or...
1: I think it is, there are. Uh, I'm. It's funny because it's not by any means a hotbed of you know like hip hop activity. And I've been fortunate um, living in several, living around the southeast and getting to travel and things like that. I'm able to establish a little you know like connections and friendships and creative relationships around. So I get to play at other places besides just where, where I live. But um so it's it's very much like a there's a, a a palatable level of just staunch independence because it's not like being in a big metropolitan city like Atlanta or New York or Los Angeles where there's a lot of money and power and like force behind it where people are just everybody ex- expects that that's where new music is going to come from um in a place like a state like south carolina it's just not like that anything that you do any kind of impact that you make it's a hundred percent like built from the ground up brick by brick and it can be frustrating and i think it's unfortunately i think kind of turns a lot of people off you can bring her here um turns a lot of people off um because it's it's difficult it's not as easy but um you know what it, people that stick to it, stick with it. They, uh, I think it makes gizzard, it gives their gives the music a, a, a certain level of like fire and grit and stuff like that that uh, you know it's, it's very unique. And it's there's a lot of obstacles too. You know, not everybody necessarily understands what you know independent hip hop music art, artists are trying to do. They don't see it, it doesn't register to them as like music they would listen to or consume, but uh, they're able to breakthroughs somehow when, you know, it's the, the obstacles make it better. It just makes it harder. I think we lose people to it. To it.
0: And, uh, what has been like your experiences uh, like performing in uh, your area and everything?
1: I mean, it's weird. It's kind of like you're almost always like campaigning as honestly like being like a political figure. You're almost always trying to win over new converts. People have preconceived notions of what a hip-hop show even is, um, and oftentimes my, what my, (laughs) what I do is not what they had in mind, so it's like you're kind of like almost always winning new, new converse over, um, which is, can be frustrating because, you know, you're having to try to have the same conversation and explain things over and over again to people, but, um, at the same time, I mean, like I said, it it makes you kind of, you develop thick skin and and you're, you're able to, um, you know, kind of work your way through it and, and just make it into something that's like unique and kind of forged by fire and things like that. Um, but what I find is this is, you know, I t- what, living in bigger cities, I took for granted the idea. I got her. Uh, the idea of like uh, just hip hop being like a thing that everybody understood. And playing in, 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 in South Carolina and Myrtle Beach and stuff like that, I've had to kind of realize that, you know, I have to strip it away from being hip hop or whatever. Just focus on being, like, a good performer and focus on being a good songwriter and things like that um, because that's the kind of thing that wins people over.
0: So uh, I guess is it easy to promote, like, since you say it's kind of like a a close scene since it's, like, kind of smaller there and everything?
1: I mean, it is. It's easier because you don't have – like, you're not – you it's not – there's not as much going on, so you're not competing to cut through the noise. Especially something like me, like what I do now, it's like there's not really a whole lot of people in Myrtle Beach doing what I do. So whenever I, like if I am, when I do get the opportunity to put on shows and stuff like now, it's like it's kind of the only show in town. So there's an advantage to it. Um, the disadvantage is that there's not like an established ready-made kind of scene to where you can just count on people that just come to shows because they come to shows. So you kind of have to like really forge your um, forge a to base, you know, one person at a time, but the, that is harder, but it's you know, an school, but the, the, it also makes it to where once you win them over and make them into a fan, they're kind of, they're like very much your, your biggest, your biggest promoter.
0: <laughs> and then I guess, uh, is it hard to like break out into other scenes, like in other areas and everything?
1: I mean, I can't necessarily, I can't necessarily speak on it. Um, in, in all honesty, because I came started playing music here after i have been other places. So I kind of had this experience to just breaking into new, into new, um, markets and things like that. So I think it probably would be difficult for somebody just, just starting out to like go to a larger market and be like, Hey, I'm from Myrtle Beach, you know, and people probably clown, it, you know, Myrtle Beach was happening there. But, um, at the same time, the world is different now. It's so much smaller, so your geographical locations does not really tie you down um, like it used to. I mean, I remember when I was much younger, it's kind of like there's kind of like this, like, snobbishness of where you, were, where you were based determined the value of the music you were making. And so people that were from places that were considered like cool happening spots, people assumed that they didn't know what they were not They were making crappy music, but it's a lot different now. I don't think the um, geographic ba- Boundaries and stuff like that has as much of a um, as much of an impact on it. I think the the difference is that it's a lot is making that step up to be to being in like more professional environments where like the expectations are higher. So if you're like an artist coming out of Myrtle Beach and started to branch out, I think larger markets might kind of their expectations for what you're capable of doing are going to be a lot higher than what you're used to being held to in Myrtle Beach.
0: So I guess, uh, how would you describe like uh, the songwriting process for your songs, and like uh, what are some of the challenges with it? I guess.
1: I mean, nowadays the biggest challenge is just the time, because <laughs> I mean I got it, I have a family and responsibilities and stuff like that now, so it's just a matter of finding the free, blocking out the free time to do it. Um, but how I've been able to work around that is just I kind of keep it, I try to keep it as a constant thing, even if it's not in the forefront of what I'm doing. Like I'm not sitting down and actively writing, I kind of just keep that gear going so that ideas are constantly flowing. And I try to find ways to capture them and keep them stored away, so when I do get moments of time to put them together, there's there's content to work with. Um, I think sometimes in the past I've been kind of like block off a, a spot, of, uh, block off a specific time, be like that's when I will make, that's when I'll write songs. And Then that time comes i sit down and i hadn't even thought of anything up to that point so i spend almost the entirety of that little block of time trying to come up with what to even do so what i've kind of learned to do is compartmentalize it in my brain to where it's the the idea of the brainstorming train is kind of always running so when i do get a little bit of time to sit down and just kind of you know further solidify ideas there's already a nice pool of of stuff to work from and material to work from um but for me, songwriting is becoming more and more of a natural thing. It's something that I put a lot of effort into trying to get better at. Um, being able to just articulate specific ideas in a clear manner that also was like entertaining and compelling. Um, when I first got into writing raps and stuff like that, I would just kind of it was just kind of like stream of consciousness, whatever came came out. And that's there's, there's a lot of merit to that, and you kind of discover a lot of things. But as a listener, it can be disjointed. It can be hard to really, like, know what's going on. Like, you can maybe appreciate the technical aspect of it. Like, oh, yes, you know, it's, like, technically sound or whatever. But, like, the actual story and thrust and themes are kind of abstracted. Um, what I've always stri- striven to do throughout my uh, run is, get better and better at songwriting where you know it's like somebody can listen to a song from beginning to end and when they're done listening to it it's presented some sort of idea in a way that allows them to keep thinking about it and keep you know building upon that idea um and i like i just i guess this is maybe i'm a weirdo and i'm living my own head too much but yeah it's just the, the biggest biggest struggle is just you know like Finding the finding the time to really attack the attack the ideas that come up, but I think sometimes that kind of almost makes it better because it's, it's like almost like a it's like a black box in an airplane. It's like just there's like a black box constantly keeping tabs on what's going on in the thought process. So you know it's like real it's like a real time snapshot of of what's going on.
0: So like uh, would you say there's some lyrics you wrote earlier on that don't resonate with you as much now or.
1: I mean, everything that's made it onto official releases definitely has a place in my heart as as important. But, yes, I would definitely say that, like, the way that I went about writing lyrics at the beginning is very different from the way I go about it now. I think, you know, um, I was more worried about, like, reaching a certain audience and stuff like that at the beginning, like, like writing to, like, pander sort of, like, what would this person like? What I've learned to do over the years is realize to so kind of let go and say, hey, you know what? You can't really control who your audience is. If you're going to record the music and play the music and put it out there. You can't control who's going to listen to it and respond to it. So you can't be trying to like custom make it for a certain demographic or something like that. You just have to do what you think is right. Do what you feel. Is, is the Make the songs you want to make and the way you want to make them and then just let the deal with whatever kind of uh, blowback or praise you get from it so that's where that's kind of progression' has gone from it's like having like a specific like audience in mind to having a specific idea in mind to letting the audience
0: and uh, so like what what are some of the songs you've written that are like the most meaningful to you at this point and like what are some of your favorite releases you've put out
1: um my favorite song I've probably ever made is it's often by uh, EP of the same name, soapbox. Um, it, it's kind of right. It, it's kind of a best of both worlds because it's something where I felt like it, I really am proud of what I was saying in it. I feel like I was like making a stand and really articulating myself and kind of pushing the envelope as far as you know, saying something meaningful. Stylistically, aesthetically, I think that I was like definitely at the height of my uh, – definitely like on on point for it. And then it also had the added bonus of being so, a song that people really like. It's like a lot of people tell me it's their favorite song, stuff like that. So that's probably The Crown and The Jewel. Um, Or that one, a uh, few against many, it's probably the all-time – best getting time of song, if you were to ask anybody. It's the one that, you know, even now it's, it's been recorded a year ago, and still people will tell me they will say lines from it and things like that, and it's the song that like And it was kind of just a perfect storm when uh, I recorded that with Metronome, and we kind of, he made the beat, and I wrote the lyrics all in the kind of same room. So as he was like, you know, composing composing the beat, I was composing the lyrics, and it was something that had a lot of time. It just the, I was able to play it live a lot, (laughs) um, partly because it was just like one of the few songs that I had ready to play live. Um, So it got a lot of like road tested, um, you know, this is the road test. I was able to get really good at playing that song. So um, it became a staple of my sets for, for the longest time. And it's probably the song song I'm most proud of. It's like, if somebody were to ask me to play, if I could only play one song for somebody to kind of, Try to win him over. That would be the song I would play.
0: And I guess it was more of a political message in that song, right? Or...
1: Well, so Soapbox is more political. Um, maybe it's a little bit more personal. There's some politics in it, but um, it's definitely more like a personal, personal song, personal story type of song. Soapbox definitely's got a political bend to it. Um, I think what I like about it in that regard is that it's like. It's slippery slope when you do politics and music because you take a stand or whatever, or you take a position, and then obviously there's going to be all kinds of contrary notions to it. And then there's just so much for people to pick apart and take, and so whatever you say in there, there's, for whatever thoughts or ideas you have, there's so many other things that like contradict that. So then it kind of – if people don't agree with the politics, and they think it's a bad song, and they kind of, are like turned off by it. Um and I, what I was what I'm so most proudest of or most proud of on Soapbox is as able to t- take a stand and say things and you know, kinda articulate ideas without necessarily like leaving the door open for the disagreement so that it, if somebody didn't agree with necessarily this, the political stance on it, they could still enjoy the song as a song and as music. Mm-hmm. And um I think that's probably the best thing about it. That's probably what's what, definitely what I'm most proud of about it.
0: And I guess um so what's it like, I guess, coming up with a rap verse and, you know, always finding, you know, words that rhyme and words that fit together and everything?
1: Well, I think the hardest lesson to learn is um, learning not to reach and just let them come. And you'd be surprised at how much, how many how many words actually rhyme when you don't try to make them rhyme. Um, the mistake I used to make I was very, very guilty of it, with it when I was starting out it was just like trying to be a thesaurus rapper and just trying to find words and trying to fit what I thought was my extensive vocabulary. Um, and what I had to learn to do was kind of let go of that thinking and do the exact opposite and let my vocabulary and the words fit the idea of the song that I'm trying to write and the verse I'm trying to write. Um, and when, when you did and doing it it's just kinda have, you have to let go of um necessarily worrying about like what rhymes straight up and just let the let the rhymes find themselves and let the let the those connections kind of make themselves organically and I think when you do that you, you'll be surprised at how much how much how easy it is to do. <laughs>
0: And, uh, and you said you've done, uh, like, rap battles, too, and that's more, like, improvised in the moment, so I imagine that'd be more challenging in a way.
1: It is. It's a good exercise. The idea, the concept of battle rapping has changed a whole lot since I was active in it. Now, the way I see the battles that I've noticed is, like, people, they get to research their opponent, and they get to go and, like, come up with all these, like, zingers and one-liners and stuff. When I did it, it was totally, like, very much 100% improvised to the point where, like, if you tried to come in there with something that you had written before, people would know, and they would call you out on it, and it would they cost you. Um, and it is a challenge because you have to stay in the – you have to kind of do th- – you have to keep – you have to come up with specific things that were, are going to land that the audience will hear and respond to. You have to stay in the moment, but all the while staying on time and making it sound good and making it sound techn- technically proficient um, – so it's like a lot of moving parts, and it's very easy for it to break down. And um, it was a valuable learning tool when I did it, um, but it's really not my favorite format. I just don't think. It's, it, well, looking back now, as I'm older, so it's, it just doesn't does seem very productive. I think it's like better. I think it's better for artists to like collaborate with one another and. Push things forward than just like try to compete with one another head head to head on like a, a zinger a zinger competition.
0: And I guess like it's a it's another thing where people have to have thicker skin if they do
1: it and everything, right? Oh, definitely. And I mean, um, I'm never one to complain about being a white rapper, or whatever. I mean, it's what uh, I'm I'm white and a rapper. It's never been something I wanted to really. I mean, it made a whole, whole lot of Excuses for whatever, because what can you say? But yeah, you definitely have to just learn it. It's all it, it, you have to realize that it's like they, you do have to have thick skin. They're gonna come at you with everything, and why? Why wouldn't they? If you want to win, you're gonna not, you're not gonna hold anything back against them. You're gonna call out whatever you can. You're gonna make stuff up to call them out on, and um, they're gonna do the same for you. And you can't like let it rattle you and get you upset to the point where you're losing your composure, and because then you just look like an asshole. Um, so you say, see, and you kind of kind of keep that. Away, just that 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 armor and just, just like try to if they land something don't let it devastate you just try to find some way to whatever like line that hits you with that hurts you the most you have to think on the spot and try to find a way to spin that back around on them and make it hurt them even harder um, and that's kind of like the trick I guess but uh, you can't do that if it's if it's rattling you so yeah the thick skin is definitely important and I guess. Uh
0: What can you say about, uh, like, your experience, like, trying to make it as an artist and, like, were there there times, like, uh, you wanted to give up and, like, how did you keep going and everything?
1: Well, what I I did is, for me, my personal journey in it, it was basically a matter of redefining success. I guess when I was younger... I looked at the idea of being a successful artist as like play, making a lot of money and being able to travel and people knowing about you and writing about you and having videos and songs and stuff like that out. And there being like a popular person. And that is a certain level of success. But, and for the longest time it used to kind of bother me because I felt like I wasn't, I certainly wasn't achieving that. And um, somewhere over the, over the years I, I changed my perspective and, Thought of like, how do I actually define success? And then I look at I look at it as, for me, I'm looking at really never had any kind of budget. Was always pretty much doing it as just like a. I mean, I had friends and collaborators that helped me along the way and made contributions as far as like creative contributions, provided beats and recording and stuff like that. But as far as like the whole process of the put out albums i never not anybody help me do it it was always just me with no budget and i've got sick i don't have any plans of like stopping stopping i slowed down um but to me the fact that, that that music exists in the world for people to enjoy is success in and of itself the fact that there's people out there that i've never met and i may will never meet that have heard my songs like that is success and once i accept accepted that then it cha- it allowed me to you know, kind of power me to be able to uh, to go f- to move forward um, without having a lot of you know regrets or hang-ups
0: and i guess uh, has has the internet uh, made it easier to be independent nowadays you think or?
1: it's definitely a useful tool i mean if there's there's positives and negatives to anything uh, um, what it ha- what it has done is it makes it easier to keep it's not necessarily any easier to gain fans but it's easier to keep them so like i go travel and play a show at some town that i don't live in i can go there before without like social media things like that you go there you hope they maybe buy, buy a record from me or something but you hope that they remember you're like you're all like your legacy so to speak is all totally dependent on the the memories of other people and you have no way to Like follow that that up or reinforce it. Where in today's you know social network connected world, like you can go there, you add them on Facebook, you say get them to like the page, like that they can stay in touch with you. are able to kind of like you're not starting over every time you go somewhere. It's, It's you can kind of build on it. It does make things difficult though when you're trying to like get out there and gain you know recognition because it's giving everybody access, so there's a lot more noise. And the general public, the average person, they're not necessarily always the most discerning ears. Like they just kind of, they're going to like what they like so that they have like, you know, hundreds of people trying to expose them to new music at any given time. You know, it's, it's easy for them. They're just going to, they're going to go with whatever just kind of like satisfies their good instinct at the time. So you got to like work a little harder to cut through that noise. And, that that can make it difficult but it's definitely the connectivity and the the ability to stay in touch with people is certainly like an invaluable tool and it just gives you a platform that's so much larger than other artists from other generations have ever had access to
0: so like um, what do you have planned for uh, the future with your music
1: all right so yes um right now what i'm looking at is i've slowed down a lot i don't put as much pressure on myself to just, like, stay actively putting out um, material and stuff like that. But I have lucked into a situation where I've got a, another artist from here, another MC from here in Myrtle Beach named Nanigan Nickleby, who him and I have linked up, and we're working on a duo project called American Oak. And it's um, it's been an excellent journey so far because pressure's off as far as, like, having to be in charge of every little aspect of it. And we've got real complementary styles and kind of similar worldviews, and both of us are kind of like in the same spot um, as far as our musical music careers. So it's <clears throat> it's been a really it's been really inspiring. It's like you can kind of slow the pace down. It's not so many like. Time-sensitive deadlines and stuff like that. We're just kind of letting the, the songs occur organically, and we're focusing more on just like the real the songwriting aspect of it and being totally uninhibited. We're not worried about singles and release dates and things like that. We're just making an album that we're proud of, and um, that's kind of been my that's been the, the the majority of my creative endeavors currently. And um, we actually were doing a writing session on it earlier today. And uh, so that's what's going on with that. And it's, it's been refreshing because it's allowing, allowing things to allow me to kind of take a step back and just enjoy writing raps and playing music again, instead of it being some sort of like burden or chore or job where I've got deadlines and things to do that I don't like. They, you know, I don't really like writing press releases. I don't necessarily like having to do all the, like, creating album out, out <clears throat> for the public to hear. It's not really my cup of tea. It's probably a, a reason why I don't have the a reason why I'm not as famous as I would like to be. Um, but now, it's, that, that's what's going on now. American Oak, um, we should have some stuff coming out yeah, sometime in the near future. But it's, it's It's been enlightening and inspiring to just kind of take the pressure off and enjoy music for, for music's sake. And, um, Yeah, that's so that's that's what's going on
0: right
1: now. <laughs> I have plans. I have a new solo gaming guitar project in the works. I've actually already started compiling beats for that. And um, I don't know what's going to go after that. I don't really I don't really have a long view vision of it. But uh, hopefully, I'll be able to start getting out and traveling again at some point. Uh, playing playing some more shows and whatnot uh, out and about and around. But um. Mm-hmm just, it's not, I take it, I take it as a cone nowadays.
0: So, uh, would you say, like, it is possible to, like, balance, uh, having a family and doing what you're passionate about?
1: It is. I mean, it's, it's any balancing act is going to require balancing. Um, it's just a matter, it's a matter of prioritizing, managing your time. You got to think about the time, like, you think about time you spend doing pointless stuff, like playing online games, like, or reading sports section or something, you know, you spend that time doing that, and then you just take away that kind of silly brain candy and you turn it into creative, and then you just get better at scheduling things, You get better at, you know, thinking ahead and blocking, you know, preparing and being ready for, you know, to maximize the free time that you get. And it's, and it's possible. I, mean, I think it, it, in a lot of ways it makes you better. I feel like it, being able to have at least a, l- a little bit of time to work on the music and stuff makes me a better father and husband just because it's like I have an outlet. And I'm not just stuck, fully wrapped up in the pressures of being in a family. Um, so that's probably the best part about it. It's, it's totally funny it's not necessarily the easiest. I was single with no responsibility for a long time doing it. And, you know, it was cool. I could kind of pick up and leave and go and go and do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted to for the most part. But um, that wasn't, wasn't, like, didn't really, wasn't much of an advantage. So, you know, I, I I think it's definitely possible. I think it almost is better. I think it makes your music better because you have something to, like to, to to do it for besides just, like, Passing time and gaining personal recognition and grat- gratification.
0: And uh, do you think any of that will be like reflected in your future lyrics or anything? Or
1: it definitely is. Um, it's definitely, it definitely is going to be. I think I've actually like I've got stuff that I was writing because I mean I sometimes I'll say I'll sit on verses and things for years before I actually to get them down on on record. So. There's certain stuff where it's like I finally found the right the right song to put a verse on, and there's lines and parts of it that I have to go back and update and, and amend to fit that kind of outlook. And um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I think it's better. You're able to kind of like, I mean, I, I've been able to sort of just like look at I look at the world differently, and my worldview has always been the like paramount source of inspiration for my lyrics. So as my worldview changes, the content of my lyrics naturally change
0: so i guess uh what would be your ultimate uh dream of like where you'd one day like to be with your music
1: you know i don't i'm ha- right now i could I, I could it could be all over right now and i'd be satisfied with it i've learned to just accept it as it is i'm proud of it and it, i feel like every day is a success um i think it would be really cool to get some sort of situation where um i could travel and play with a live band and kind of get like get out there out and about around the country and the world and stuff but for me yeah i mean it's all good right now is is the goal <laughs> um i don't want to i don't want to sully the uh sully the 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 beauty of the accomplishment by trying to, like, pace goals to it. Um, every day is a success. Every day is the best day um, as far as if, if I'm alive and able to make to make music, even if it's just me thinking about an idea for a song. Every day I get the opportunity to do that is a success. So I'm living the goal right now.
0: And uh, what advice, I guess, would you give to other aspiring artists and musicians?
1: Save your money. Money and pay professionals would be my biggest advice. Um, when you, uh, you know, money is always going to be an issue. It's always going to be like probably most artists is their biggest obstacle. Um, so instead of running the hamster wheel and burning the candle at both ends trying to do everything, like be smart. Think about what you do, you know, maybe don't go out as much. Don't, you know, save your money and pay professionals to do the things that you need to do. Pay a professional publicist, pay a professional graphic designer, pay a professional engineer in your studio. Like that's the way to do it. And it it sounds kind of like cynical or whatever, but that's my advice because what you end up doing is if you don't, and you take on all these things yourself, you're not doing You're not doing justice to your music because you might not be the best engineer you might not be the best publicist. You're probably not, because if, if you were the best publicist, you'd be doing that instead of writing music. So let professionals do it, and then that gives you, you the freedom to focus on making your art better. And then when people come and find you, they're finding you at your best. They don't have to, like, listen to you with, like, a grain of salt and be like, oh, well, yeah, he's out here grinding. Like, I don't want people to respect my grind or my hustle. I want them to respect the art. So if people like me because they will work hard at it, I mean that's great. But nah, just don't like work smarter, not harder. You know, like they tell you, yeah, I work like pay professionals to do the things that you can't do, and um, it also keeps the whole like music economy going, the creative economy going, because it's not like these these people have jobs, they, they they have responsibilities too, and uh, you know you kind of are like keeping the keeping the money within the the community. of of creative people.
0: And, uh, any final thoughts or things you'd like to say?
1: Yeah, man, life is beautiful. Except it, like this, I haven't necessarily like if I were my 23 year old self would look at where I'm at now, you know, as, as young and arrogant as I was back then, I might look at myself as like some sort of, lose or whatever, but, no, know I mean, just enjoy it, it's, it sounds cliche and all, but you can't really, you can't really put, like, a, you can't put, like, a dollar sign on things, and you can't control who supports you, so you can only control what you, what, what you have to focus on what you can control, so just make the music that you want to make, and dude, make it the way you want to make it, and be be content with it, however it turns out.
0: And uh, I guess if people want to listen to your music, uh, where should they go? Like,
1: um, uh, they can go to um, it like like the Gautama Facebook page, and that will link it everything else. You said not use plastic plates in the microwave. Um, so that's a uh, how spell it. it's Oh, G H A N I G A U T A M A. Facebook's like my most active platform of of uh, putting music out to the public. Um, you can get to my band page from there, and uh, so yeah, if, if you are interested in checking 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 check me out, that's the best way to go. All right,
0: well, uh, I think that does it for this episode of uh, BSing with Sean K. Thanks again, uh, Gany Katama, for coming on. Excellent, thank you. Yeah, no problem. And uh, I should have more episodes coming soon, so uh, stay tuned.
1: Awesome.